Welcome to the latest episode of the Visions and Tones podcast. Today, my guest is not a complete new person. I consider her the friend of the show, and we're going to talk about a topic which is very controversial, but at the same time, very sensitive. So I'm not really sure how much we're going to sort of censor even our emotions here, because, you know, the society today has gotten to be... You know, to a certain extent, more polarized in a way that even a healthy engagement where we might point out what we disagree with might actually lead into certain forms of extremism or anti-intellectualism. I don't know what the case is. And for some people might call, you know, certain views homophobic and whatever the case is a very sensitive topic. And I should state it that both myself and the guests, we're not really experts in this um, field. But we're trying to sort of bring whatever we can try to bring. I'll try to bring sort of my sociological hat, so to say, but perhaps in a limited view. Um, and also she might bring more of the social um, social work aspect of it. And my guest today is Dr. Penny Kansimi. Welcome. It's good to have you again. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Yeah. How's life been since the last time we had a chat? Good. Yeah. Um, a lot has happened, um, uh, but um, overall, I can't complain. Right. I can't complain. Yeah. I'm glad to be meeting up with you to sort of have this conversation in person because the last time we were via Zoom. Yes. And finally, now people will get to hear the voice and the zeal and the energy <laughs> and the activism part of you. You know. Yeah. Um, people love you. People love your work, and I've seen that in different platforms. Whenever I post about you, you you remain committed. You remain rooted in your. Uh, nationality originally from Uganda and now yeah. you're working in Australia but still you know stories and issues things happening in Uganda are still a great part of your heart yes they are that's home I love Uganda right yeah you're not gonna betray home <laughs> no I'm not gonna betray home mm-hmm. yeah I want a safe environment for everyone yeah obviously so, I can never divorce myself from Uganda right yeah I do love Australia I love Australia, but I love Uganda. But you've been also in many different places. Yes, I have. You've been in South Africa. Mm. You've been in, is it Switzerland? Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. I've been to Switzerland too. But yeah, Switzerland Sweden. Too. You've yeah. been in Sweden. Mm. And now Australia. And yeah. we hoped that you would leave Australia to a certain place, but you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you should be. <laughs> Who knows what tomorrow holds. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, you know, talking about... Uganda, there's a controversial topic which we're actually engaging today, the anti-homosexuality bill, Mm. which has been a great topic for, you know, different kinds of people, you know, Mm. um, people who are also anti-homophobic have found a leg to stand on, so Mm. to say, to be in defense of Uganda and those who are pro the LGBT have actually expressed a lot of concerns, but at the same time, there are people who are interested in sort of um, exploiting, you know, the sexual identities. Perhaps we could get also to talk a little bit about those. So mm. this topic is very broad, and sometimes I was thinking, where do we start, you know, and and where do we go? But how to do we sort of give something that might be meaningful to the people to the point that. We also engage, you know, different institutions in Africa, such as what is the role of the African Union? What is mm. the role of the UN in a, in, a, in a global perspective? I don't know. What do you think about the topic, like, on a personal level? Not as in who are you for, but as in, yeah. you know, um, your concerns and 
perhaps fears in engaging this conversation. Sometimes as, as, as experts in our field, people feel like we should be bold to say certain things, but mm. it's not really the reality. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. It's um, a very sensitive and very divisive topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something many, I, I believe, many of us, especially from Uganda, are happy to talk about privately. <laughs> But not publicly because of um, the backlash, you know, um, regardless of which side you stand on. Um, I say it's very sensitive because, um, and divisive because it seems like there is no room for middle ground, which I think is not okay. And um, that is hindering a healthy debate between the two um, extreme sides of this issue. Yeah. So if I can just tap into the bill, many people might be very quick to jump and say it's just an anti-homophobic, but without looking at the particular merits, and we're not going to go through the entire bill, but just to touch on a few little things about what exactly was more stressed in the bill, do you want to maybe take us onto a very quick summary and in terms of what kinds of, you know, punishments, you know, people are found in the act of homosexuality, they are likely to sort of... um, encounter yeah so my understanding is that this bill specifically targets homosexuality mm-hmm. okay so it's it's a law that um the bill that has been created to start to target a particular group of people um and the penalties seem to be extreme in my opinion including uh death in um cases of aggravated uh, homosexuality. The issues that they're raising um, are already catered for in the penal code, in my opinion. Right. Yes. So because, and and the penal code has been, has worked, in my opinion, because the people that have been convicted, um, that have been accused of uh, defilement, regardless of uh, which gender is defiling what gender, um, There are some cases when I went back into um, history, people being sentenced to 30 years, 20 years, uh, because they were preying on minors. So for me, that showed that the law was working. Mm -hmm. The cases that have not been successfully litigated, for me, I believe it's more of a systemic failure. We don't have very strong... Um, implementations of laws and policies for so many reasons. And so I think energies should have been channeled to strengthening the systems in place because there is already a law in place that um, is gender neutral that does not come off as targeting a particular group of people. Okay. Yeah. So there's so many things about the law and um, for me... I believe everyone is at risk okay. because it states uh, media houses that publish materials that promote homosexuality uh, can have their license revoked for 10 years and pay, and they pay a fine of 1 billion Uganda shillings. Um, it's targeting hotel owners and even landlords, not just hotel owners. It mm. says the owner of the premises that promote homosexuality is 10 years. Tony, what are the odds that uh, if you own a hotel or an Airbnb, um, uh, you ask the person that wants to use your space about their sexual orientation? 
So I think everyone here is at risk. Um, so no. <laughs> I think yeah. one question that I might be keen asking sort of so that we also get to understand this in more details tell, tell us a little bit about Uganda what kind of a space is Uganda what kind of a system is operating there is it a democratic country because some of the things that you're already saying I'm starting to think about should this be things that are part of a democratic state where it seems as if you know people are sort of restricted or people are sort of pushed to act and work on behalf of the state. So for instance, the aspect of the landlords that you're talking about, it, mm. seemed as if, it seems as if as a landlord, you're expected to be doing certain work of the state. And if you don't do it, you might find yourself on the wrong side of the law. But how is Uganda? Well, um, I find democracy a very um, tricky subject. And <laughs> how do you define democracy? <laughs> I know the textbook definition. Right, right. No, but you can mm. just lay out for us. I know that both me and you will have sort of, you know, different mm. perspectives about democracy and, mm. and whether are we looking at, you know, a direct kind of democracy where a direct democracy would be citizens sort of, you know, take participation in, you know, uh, the law, voting certain laws into power, perhaps in a, in a layman language would be the use of the word referendum. And where else in some spaces there will be, you know, sort of... Um, uh, it's not it's not a direct, it's called a representative where the people that are voted into power, they're the ones who basically make the laws and the decisions on behalf of the entire country. Mm. But at the same time, you know, it's the fact of majority speaks, so to say, in, mm. in a kind of a way, on a layman kind of unpacking, that's what I would sort of put it out there. Yeah, it's a representative democracy where we elect people to go represent us in parliament. Um, whether they really serve the interests of the people is another question altogether. Right. I think there's selective service when it comes to issues of national importance. Mm -hmm. Uganda is, um, I believe, is under dictatorship. Okay. And so whatever the, the people in power want passed in terms of um, law, they will pass it because they have the numbers in parliament, even if that, password, that issue goes against the will of the people. For example, when um, the, they suggested to amend the constitution to remove presidential term limits and presidential age limit, the people were clearly against it. Mm -hmm. You know, but there was money that exchanged hands among the legislators and both laws, which, the, you know, the constitution was amended to remove the laws. So yes, we are representative democracy sometimes the interests of the people are not represented. Right. Mm. With that being said, um, would it be safe to say, therefore, when we look at the anti-homophobic bill, homosexuality bill, um, would it be safe to say, let's say hypothetically, mm. if the president was the one who was going to be found on the wrong side of the bill mm. or his children, chances mm. are that he might not face the law in the same way as any other ordinary person. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> it's the law. It's the law. It's the truth. He is the law. He is the law. Mm -hmm. Whatever he wants passes. Whatever he doesn't want, won't pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even with this bill, personally, I don't think he's going to sign it into law. Okay. Because we've been here, Tony. We've been here before. 2013, 
I think it was 2013, 2014, um, he passed, a similar law was passed. And the president's um, bill was passed. That signed, he signed it into law. And um, the international community was up in arms. And human rights activists took this to the court of law. And it was rescinded right. on technicalities. Okay. Yeah. But was it the court of Uganda or it was the international? The, the court of Uganda. Okay. Yeah. And they had a case because that time, that the last time they passed this uh, similar law, there was not there was no quorum in parliament. Okay. Yeah. So I remember the judge, uh, the the judges did not go into the law. You know the contents of the law. Mm-hmm. They dismissed it on on grounds of technicality because there was not there was no quorum in parliament, and that is what this parliament made sure to avoid. You know the same technicality. So they made sure. Okay. They had the numbers in parliament to pass the law. Uh, to pass the bill. So whether the president signs it or not is another issue altogether. Personally, I think he's not going to sign it because the people have reached out to him regarding the rights of um, people in the LGBTIQ community. And uh, he said he's still he's still trying to understand evidence regarding, right, you right. know, um, uh, that community and um, their sexual preferences. So for me, it looks like he's tolling, but given the international pressure and uh, Uganda being a, a, a donor recipient from so many countries, there is a lot at stake in terms of finances. Right. And I don't think that's what he wants to do. Let's talk now about, you know, if he's not going to sign it and also the fact that, you know, the National House already agree to the fact that this bill should go on. Mm. What in particular is the heart of Uganda in a sense that apart from people having to jump into conclusion that indeed there is homosexuality, you know, this anti-homosexuality there, can you lay for us what is the heart of Uganda in a sense of are they inherently against someone practicing homosexuality even on their private space or it has much more to do with the role in which you know international bodies have actually played this thing out, their impact and how, you know, if there's ever any sort of, you know, exploiting of young people to ascribe or, you know, to, because I think that's also another aspect which I keep on hearing different voices, but where's the center? Mm. I think the center is in the culture and the religious beliefs of the people. And when I talk about religious beliefs, I'm not just talking about Christianity. I'm talking about African traditional religions and the Muslim community as well. Uh, it is um, Homosexuality is a, uh, is a practice or a lifestyle that is frowned upon. However, that does not mean that Uganda has not had homosexuality, uh, homosexual people before. Mm-hmm. They've been there in private, doing their things in private, and people did not mind. The anger this time is coming from the fact that there are many young children, vulnerable children, uh, particularly in boarding schools, that are being groomed, you know, Mm -hmm. using money and uh, gifts and all other things that they have to offer uh, to get into this practice. It is so easy for young people back home um, in Uganda to be taken up by money because there are so many people who are having it rough, you know. An equivalent of 200 um, Australian dollars in Uganda is a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. It can do a lot if you're getting that money. Because I've been listening to some of uh, the testimonies of uh, victims that have come out and say, "Listen, you know, this person offered me an equivalent of two hundred um, Australian dollars, and I had never touched that money in my entire life, mm-hmm. you know. And we were asked to do this and asked to do this. But back in Uganda, they call it uh, people being recruited into homosexuality. Um, my argument is it's not an army that they are recruiting people. For me, that looks like grooming. Right. You're grooming someone right. you know, for, for your own sexual benefit. Uh, young people being... Um, so this vice has really picked up in schools, especially in boarding schools, um, whether single sex, but mostly single sex or mixed schools. And this has been a concern for parents because children have been hurt. Uh, there are even uh, um, a few teachers that have been involved in the vice. The argument is, I can't prove this for a fact, but uh, I'm basing on what mm. um, uh, people have spoken, people that have come, come come out and say, here, I was a victim. They're being funded uh, by human rights organizations, mm-hmm. you know, that um, according to them are bent on promoting this practice and normalizing it as much as possible in um, in the Ugandan community. And they have left so many people hurt, you know. And so parents are really angry because right. they, tell they, they went to parliament, you know, different members of parliaments were receiving people from their constituencies saying what are you people doing our children are being killed um our people, children are being destroyed not killed in terms of murder and uh, it seems there is nothing that is being done there was also uh, a report that uh, these human rights organizations for any person that was uh, reported to the police and found guilty the human rights organizations had set up a good legal network to go bail them you know, um, have the cases dismissed. It's believable if you've lived in Uganda because justice is for sale. Right. Justice right. is for sale in Uganda. So that's where the anger is coming from. Right. Yeah. So be as it may, where would you say, therefore, we should draw the line as observers into what is happening in Uganda between young people who might be exploited into, you know, same-sex practice and also young or even old people who might genuinely, you know, be drawn to the act? I'm not sure I understand that question. So Mm. there is an aspect of, you know, because I feel like the bill is more of a retaliation to Mm. sort of the recruitment and so on and so forth. Mm. But also within the bill, are we able to sort of find space where it's not just addressing the recruitment aspect of it, but respectful, being respectful also to people who might say, I'm just drawn to same-sex attraction, or still, mm. apart from just the recruitment, the strong part of it is the element of you know culture and religion that you sort of alluded to earlier on. Yeah. My interpretation of this bill is that there is no middle ground. They're, they're simply saying we do not accept homosexuality. Right. Whether it's from recruitment or whether it's exactly. a genuine feeling. It is illegal. That's right. what they're saying. You're not allowed to be homosexual in right. Uganda. That's what the bill is saying, and I think that's that, that that's um, really dangerous. How 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 long is the the arm of the state to reach into people's personal lives and bedrooms to be able to to be looking out for who is doing this and who is not doing this? Mm-hmm. You know that even um, and why uh, one of the reasons I, as to why I'm saying this 
there is already all the whatever they're proposing here is already covered in uh, the penal in the penal code. Uh, yeah, you, in the penal code, a husband is not even allowed to have anal sex with a wife. Hmm. A woman, yes, I'm not pegging. Even, I think it's called pegging. It's called pegging. I don't know what it's yeah. called. <laughs> I've pegging, learned it. Yes, you, yeah. you're not even. It is even illegal to do that. But why? Why do they have to get into your bedroom? Why? What is the law doing in your bedroom? You know, the penal code I think comes from uh, the British. You know, we were colonized by Britain and everything. So they they they, they set the laws, and uh, we just run away with them. I think it's just now that we're now analyzing these laws. So they called it. They call it actually the penal code. Constitution calls it against the natural order, having sex against the yes. natural order. So, the interpretation of that—that that it's not okay. Sex should be had where it's supposed to be had, and put that in quotes. You know, so they 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 don't accept things like oral sex, anal sex, anything that they think My is a because the mouth is for eating. And <laughs> Your president said that. <laughs> yes. The mouth is for eating. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so that's why it's it's simply saying we don't want anyone to be a homosexual. How they're going to implement that? Good luck. Can you tell mm. us then about the bill? It mm. seemed as if the current entire homosexuality bill tries to tie in certain things which you've already said that they are actually covered within the penal law or mm. the penal act. All of them are. So, for instance, mm. issues around grooming kids, issues that might look like pedophilia or mm. child abuse and so on and so forth. Yes, those are genuine things. Children should be protected, you know. Yeah. Uh, people who are disabled should be protected. But there seems to be a bit of a connection. They're trying to sort of connect um, those things. And in the interpretation of it for me, with the context of the anti-homosexuality bill, it appears as if this sort of a presupposition that you know homosexual people are um, inherently pedophiles or yeah. grooming kids. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, that, that's the, the same feeling that I get when you look at this uh, bill. They basically replicated what is in the penal code, uh-huh. but made it more specific towards homosexuals or homosexuality. Right. Okay. All these things are already covered in the penal code. This new um, bill, for example, talks about persons convicted of aggravated homosexuality can face death. By aggravated homosexuality, they mean um, sex with minors. They mean uh, people who have... Carrying diseases such as HIV, who are living with HIV and, uh, you know, they have sex with uh, other people, with um, um, with other people. And, you know, they've, they've not told them, you know, I'm carrying the virus, having sex with children, you know. So they divide, that's aggravated homosexuality, as the bill says. But the, there's a similar law that is gender neutral, okay? And that law has been working. Mm-hmm. It is still working, okay? Because there are people from who who are identified as homosexuality that have been convicted under the penal law for thirty years in jail. Mm-hmm. So then, bringing it here and specifically making it about the LGBTQ community seems like to me it seems like a witch hunt, right? You know, 
there is also another one of the things that really concerned me about that this law was um, one of them said that a child found guilty of homosexuality can be sentenced to a maximum of three years in prison. Right. So meaning any a younger, because a child they consider the constitution considers, considers a child as anyone who's below eighteen. Yes, a child. But it doesn't specify whether from what age in particular. Exactly. We know that if, if you've learned anything about human development across the lifespan, mm-hmm. you know that children at a certain age, you know, unknowingly explore things to right. do with uh, their uh, sexual organs and everything. So when, when you find children doing that, people's kids are going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. means three-year-olds, five-year-olds, four-year-olds, six, ten, you know, are going to go to jail for three years. So you're a convict at three years? Yeah, a child. I don't think they really thought through this. But what could be the reason? Because, I mean, I was looking also at a few information to check, you know, the level of education from, you know, the people who are sitting in parliament Mm. in Uganda and very impressive, so to say. I mean, around 2021, there was... About uh, 431 MPs, and of which 408 of them have actually submitted proof of their qualifications. This Uh shows that there's actually a great level of education in the people who are sitting there. Mm. I mean, with this kind of great education and this kind of policy structuring, what's the missing point there? (laughs) I think we should be questioning the quality of education. Right. What kind of education is that that does not critically analyze issues such as these? Mm-hmm. Okay? The quality of education is in, in question here. I think this has been made out of emotion. Like, say, it's a reactive mm-hmm. measure. Mm-hmm. Oh, people are so angry and we're also angry. How can this happen? They, there was no need to hurry, you know, to pass this especially given the fact that there is already an existing legal framework where such issues can be addressed. Mm-hmm. A child being sentenced to three years. First of all, I know one of the principles in, um, I don't know whether to call it a principle or what, in child protection, there's a, it's something called Dolly Incapax, mm-hmm. you know, when you're bringing a child within the justice system. Dolly Incapax basically means that you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that this child had the mental capacity to commit a crime. Okay. You know, you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt. So, how do you prove beyond reasonable doubt that a 5, 10-year-old, 11, 12-year-old really thought about this, given your ne- level of uh, cognitive development, mm-hmm. that a 10 or 11-year-old really understands mm-hmm. what they are doing in terms of sex, sex or sexual relations. Mm-hmm. The education, I, I, it's, it's based on emotion. And um, I think emotion by, you know, blinds so many of us and make, uh, from making... Rational decisions. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, earlier on, you made a statement which I sort of um, liked. I want us to sort of explore then, or maybe I made a statement where I said some people might be using 
you know, uh, the LGBT might be using kids to exploit them into these identities. Do we know what could be the reason why particularly Uganda and why particularly these young people or what's their agenda, uh, so to say, and, and, and that being reasoned not to sort of overlook the fact that there might be other people who really feel like we are in the space and we do really need genuine liberation. Mm. Uh, but what could be the agenda? Well, it is believed that the agenda is to normalize uh-huh. homosexuality in the Ugandan community because my understanding is that is that Uganda is one of uh, the few, should I call them few countries I don't know I haven't done my such research properly in that that are so anti um, homosexuality Australia a lot of them in Africa yeah lots of them in Africa but Uganda is one of the very vocal ones Mm-hmm. Very vocal and. Uh, but Zimbabwe was vocal under mm-hmm. Robert Mugabe. Perhaps mm-hmm. now the current president is not really more focused onto onto that. Mm-hmm. And in the context of Kenya, I think the new president sort of uh, is considered to be soft. I think it's President Ruto, mm-hmm. William Ruto, is considered to be more soft. You know, um, as opposed to the, the 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 guy who was before him. I think it's Kenyatta, mm-hmm. who was very vocal, and I've seen a number of you know. Um, interviews even with uh, with hard talk i think it's hard talk where he actually yeah. expressed the fact that all those things are not sort of in africa are not a concern in the kenyan community there's mm-hmm. other things that the kenyan community is sort of interested in mm. um so there's a number of african countries that actually express themselves but funny enough as you're saying that i looked at the grid i don't know if you may have come across this i looked at the grid from wikipedia to see how many countries actually um opposed or came against this uh, bill or, or were vocal about this bill. Funny enough, it's only, <laughs> I wouldn't really say it's surprising. It's only places like, um, my goodness, where are you? Northern <laughs> America, Canada, Europe, you know, um, that were sort of vocal about this. And, 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 and they're actually pushing against this bill. But if you mm. look here mm. on this grade, you can see the yellow one points out to countries that did not make a statement. And if you look at, at, at this, people are caught up into many things. They have not yeah. really made more statements. Yeah. But mm. America, Canada, top of it. Mm. Europe, part of Europe, mm. very much top of it. Your Germany, they've really expressed concerns yeah. about these things. And if you remember a couple of days when we spoke, I, I was like... The, the the vice president of the United States is going to Africa and is going to visit three countries. I sort of speculate that um, or sort of maybe uh, suggest that she might also make it to Uganda to talk about the bill on which I was wrong. Turns out she's not making it. No, no, no. I think she's in Tanzania. Maybe she didn't feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very safe, it's a very fresh thing. How do you go and talk about this? And, yeah. They, they would not harm her. I, I think the... And and this is the other issue that is really making people angry, that Western imposition of values mm-hmm. on the Ugandan people. Um, imposition using threats in terms of withholding aid or you're going to be... You know, we, we had members of parliament saying they were people were calling them, telling them we are going to make sure they deny you visas to America, to Europe. Things shouldn't work like that. Right. Because you're just pushing them... You know, you're, you're, you're just making the situation worse. Uganda is a, a demo, an independent country, mm-hmm. and, and so are other countries. Um, the best thing would be to come to a table and have an, an, a discussion about this 
on equal power terms, not in a, at a condescending level yeah. like we see the West doing. Oh, we are going to revise aid yeah. and things like that. And you know what? Many Ugandans, are, you know, they were like, to hell with your aid. Right. You know, you're not going to be to force us to do things we don't want to do um, be, because you have money. Mm-hmm. Now, if the West withdraws aid, yes, Uganda is going to suffer. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Can they live without it? Yes. But there's going to be consequences. Like we're seeing happening in you know places like Zimbabwe yeah, already. Yeah, because because uh, those donors fund most of Uganda's social services. Right. As far as I know, the healthcare system. We have so many people living with uh, HIV in um, in Uganda. Uh, they get free antiretroviral drugs. That is donor money, mostly mm-hmm. USA mm-hmm. money. So when they take that away, there are people who are going to suffer. Including people in the LGBTIQ exactly. community. Exactly. And I was thinking about that because <laughs> mm. what I was going to mention mm. now is that you've got a Ugandan government that says, no, we don't want, you know, homosexuality. But you've got people who've got really genuine, you know, feelings and whatsoever on their own level. Mm. And, you know, they've been fighting with the government and the government fighting back through the law. But at the same time, then you'll have international bodies. I was looking... Uh, the other day and I saw there were some kind of statements going out about, you know, a few people in America talking about if the president passes this on, they might impose sanctions. Mm. And I was like, yeah, going to impose the sanctions again. So it means you've got, you know, a poor person who's part of the LGBT mm. experiencing a heavy iron fist from the government and also experiencing heavy iron fist from you who's imposing sanctions. Like, where's the sense in all this eventually? Double jeopardy. I don't right. know. <laughs> Maybe they'll give them visas to other countries. You know, I don't know. Possibly. But that shouldn't be it because they probably don't want to live in other countries. They want to live in, in Uganda. Yeah, so I agree with what you said. It doesn't make sense to say, oh, we're going to do this because you're not doing what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, where's the diplomacy? And I'm not talking about the diplomacy as it has been sold to us, where we have these big nations playing, you know, head prefect over everyone else, you mm-hmm. know, supervising morals, values, and laws and everything. Let, let's have a discussion, um, a genuine discussion between the two warring sides and agree on, on particular things. I don't find it helpful that they, they, they threaten or they withdraw aid and uh, they're going to place sanctions. Yes, Ugandans will suffer. We've, we've seen countries that have experienced, gotten sanctions. They mm-hmm. have suffered in one way or the other. Um, and Uganda being in the position that it is, uh, there will be consequences. So in order to avoid all that, let's talk. Right. Yeah. Now the big question, is it safe to call Uganda homophobic? Well, uh, when you look at the definition <laughs> of homophobic, it says someone who has an irrational fear of someone of the uh-huh. same sex uh-huh. or whatever. I feel like that's a very heavy label. You know? I, I, I know, but at the same time, I don't think Uganda should hide in the so-called, you know, cultural principles. We're we, we, we protecting against... It is. No, 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 no. no. But, but really, hey. you're not hiding. It's your culture. But mm. to say we're doing this in the name of culture or mm. we're doing this to protect... Okay. There's one, we're doing this to protect uh, the natural order or something like that. What did they say? <laughs> no, the vulnerable people. No, that is a law. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, I mean the one about sex. The sanctity was, of the family, I think. it's, it's I think it's a religious 
perspective. Regardless. Mm. Point is, you might say, yeah, we are a religious or it's to protect the tradition. It's the culture. I mean, culture has been changing. Culture mm-hmm. is not the same. Yeah. Unless you, if you say to me, perhaps the problem is that we're forcing the culture to change at a fast pace, but we should give space to people of Uganda to let their culture grow in a, in a gradual way. But of which also, if it has to grow in a gradual way, why then not that be a communication or a conversation from the government to the people as opposed to come and initiate you know such very harsh bills such as this one that we see now so yeah. what is tra- what is culture what is tradition mm. i think we need to be questioning all of those it's not like people in uganda are still doing things in the same way as the ancient times True. things have changed we wear clothes now you know we wear clothes mm. now you know people are using fucking knives i don't know if that's even part of it yeah they use <laughs> so the ancestors if they come back they'll be like what the hell happened what is happening what is going on here life happened <laughs> <laughs> so why shouldn't life happen even with this one i don't, it, it, I don't it think we time. need to mm-hmm. i'm not sure if we should let it by saying it's protection of their culture mm, therefore mm. it's harsh branding to call them homo, homo oh. uh, you know homophobic Culture is dynamic, like you have mentioned. Uh, as time goes on, people think differently as they're exposed. They, see, you know, they change lifestyles and whatever it is. I think it's it's very unrealistic of the West to expect Uganda to adopt a certain kind of value or belief without question, without um, without questioning, without um, thinking about the impact it will have on their values and everything. There was a point in history where it was being a homosexual was considered a mental illness. Yeah. We don't have that now mm-hmm. in the West. Why? The culture changed, but it took time. It took time. It took research. It took advocacy. It took dialogue. It took so much for that to happen. And I think this is my own um, perception. The West arrived to that point after they had um, satisfied other needs or basic needs, mm-hmm. with, you know, in society or the needs of their people. People have access to food, to adequate housing, shelter, blah, blah, blah. You cannot have problems. Right. We, we we have a, a very young population. Uganda is one of the youngest population in the world. I think we are over over seventy percent of the Ugandan population, approximately. I think it's more. Um, is a young population, mm-hmm. thirty five and below. There's a high level of unemployment. Thirty five percent and sorry. over seventy percent. Over seventy percent. Thirty five and below. It's a young population. Wait, over 70% is 35 and below. I think so. And the National Assembly looks like fossils sitting in there. I'm sorry to say <laughs> this, but fossils making decisions on behalf of the very same young generation. Repent. Okay. Then, <laughs> those are our elders. We respect our elders. <laughs> I'm sorry to all Ugandans, but <laughs> this is just... Yeah, uh, I mean, but it, yeah, it, it explains <laughs> then the slow pace of progress. If exactly, you have that could be a people, factor. You know, yeah. Um, but uh, there are also younger people that are saying, no, these are not our ways. So back to my point, it took time for the West to arrive at this. And there were discussions for years. I know we don't expect um, us, uh, the other parts of the world to be slow in terms of you know, catching up with the rest of the world. But issues of culture and values, I think, are very personal and are protected, it's going to take time. And that's why, you know, I agree with you, there should be an honest discussion. Mm -hmm. And in that discussion, let's take away 
this imperialist attitude, colonial attitude of we're giving you money, so do it our way and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Let's sit and understand the pain on both sides. Okay. Look, I think for me, my I'm not worried about the West. I don't think I basically I wouldn't even want have wanted us to have a conversation thinking about the West because truth is there's too many um, selfishness that comes with the West. You know, sometimes helping you comes with you know there's no free lunch, despise mm. free lunch. Yeah. This this somewhere I'm gonna get you and mm. and I mean part of the other conversations that we might need to genuinely talk about is to whether also homosexuality isn't to a certain extent part of the new capitalist system in a way. Is it not sort of exploited in a capitalist system as therefore what could be the real reason for one person pushing that someone might ascribe to homosexual identity? Mm. And and it's not a claim that I sort of looked at carefully, but I mean, as a researcher, for certain things just have to be questioned in different ways. My heart is more on the fact that there might be a genuine person who's not swayed by the views of the West. Mm. There might be a genuine person who say, I am attracted to same-sex people and I'm not informed by the worst. I'm not exploited by the worst. I'm not sort of getting recruited by the worst. But where do we put that person into the context of what culture looks like? So if culture has to be protected, if culture is respectful, you know, what happened to the spirit of Ubuntu? And I think you've sort of mentioned at some point that Uganda calls it Ubuntu something, which I'd love for you to sort of express that. And you gave yeah. a, a very beautiful pushback where I'd love for us to also speak about where is the philosophy of Ubuntu in the context of <laughs> respect? Is respect always in the context that, you know, you have to be following what is branded a cultural law. What about respect in the context of I'm respecting you as a human being, whatever decision you make, yeah. you know, it being upon yourself? Yeah, a good question. Um, you, uh, you, it, you call it Ubuntu. That's what it's known worldwide. In, in Luganda, they call it Ubuntu Bulamu. Uh -huh. Ubuntu Bulamu. It's basically the same. Um, the principle of Ubuntu, yes, we respect each other. But uh, with Ubuntu... It espouses that you give up your individual needs for the good of the community. So if a community is saying that we're not comfortable with this, they expect you to give up what you believe you want or you are for the interest of but the community. But isn't it me giving up for something for the community that has to benefit the community? How does, for instance, Tony having sex with another Tony have to do with giving back to the how community? Does that co uh, <laughs> how does that benefit the community? <laughs> It's about respect. No, but my point is to put a tag on the fact that the respect should be only in the context where I have to do something that will benefit community. What about the fact that community too must stop getting into my bedroom, but think about can we respect Tony on the basis that he's a human being? Whatever happens in his room, if he's not killing anyone, if he's not abusing babies, mm. this should not be our space to tap in. Tony, the community has not gone into people's bedrooms for a long time. Like I said, homosexuals have existed in Uganda. When mm. when I, in twenty fourteen I was still in Uganda when they passed the, 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 the a similar bill the first time, and I was working in an organization that provided services to people from the LGBTIQ community. Mm -hmm. We did not discriminate. Our, your sexuality was none of our business. We were there to provide you a service. I had clients from the LGBTIQ community. I had I, I, colleagues. I'm not talking particularly <laughs> about you. Your work no, is I'm giving impeccable. You an example. It speaks for itself. No, but I'm talking about mm. now because we at the point where here's a bill mm. forcing itself into people's bedrooms. 
what so, so how is ubuntu and culture unfolding in this particular context? well the fact that uh, you're forcing community to get into your bedroom it means that you have brought your bedroom to the community okay and that's where the children are coming in and right. that's why they're concerned right because homosexuals have always and will always exist in the ugandan community no one has touched them mm-hmm. i've not i've i've seen ugand people in uganda being killed for stealing a phone pickpocketing grabbing a lady's handbag you know mob justice i've not seen a mob justice case because a person is lgbt iq but it's or been a, a while also you've been to uganda and again we may need to think about it would have made news we, we might have think, i stay updated but, <laughs> no but still you stay updated but hasn't there been censorship in uganda hasn't there been censorship and and i mean is it only a matter of now or even in the past when people happen to sort of report certain things about the gov- about the president in particular they might actually face certain consequences my analysis of the ugandan political environment is that um you the president will only give you attention if you are a threat to his throne <laughs> okay so And that's why so many people can go in Uganda and abuse the president. They will call him all kinds of names. Try that in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Sorry to drag Rwanda right. into this. <laughs> so he, he's not there for pay. For him, he will only come for you if you are a threat to his power and his authority. But you can go to the radio stations and abuse him as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. On, on the point about I've dragged my bedroom to the public. I hear what you're saying, mm. right? Mm. And and this is something that sort of have made me also think about issues of space to say sometimes you know because people want to hold too much space they might have gotten to the point where they are uncomfortable seeing you know apart from the context of kids being recruited they might feel uncomfortable groomed. seeing or groomed <laughs> they might they might they might see Tony and James holding hands in public and that's more of a taboo thing. Yeah. Poor probably that too might be considered as me taking my bedroom into the public. But yes. Now I'm concerned about the fact that there are genuine people. So why is it that the bill then is not very clear mm. in terms of this is what we are necessarily against. I I do get a couple of clips here and there where I hear the president being very specific. If you eat pork, you know, then you eat pork, it's your business, it stays in your house. Don't go and tell us outside that we're eating pork and whatsoever, which is actually against the, mm. you know, advertisement of it so to say. Mm. But my point is then why is it the bill speaking directly towards this grooming to say this is what we are more against but trying to sort of taint everyone drag everyone even the person who's not taking their business even James and Tony were not holding hands in public mm. or even the people are not bringing their business you know to the public mm. it seems now as if let's just destroy everyone then being particular at what is it what's our stand what is it that we are against as Uganda Hmm, I think that's the irony about culture. People will choose what is more valuable and less valuable to them. Mm. They may tolerate pork. They may not tolerate homosexuality. And so this bill is speaking directly to what society believes they cannot tolerate. That's why they're not talking they're not just making a bill for the children. Like I said, the law is already there. Yeah. You know, they just want to emphasize that we don't want this and we think this is what is causing it but i see a systemic failure that's why we are here in mm-hmm. the first place there there's so much in the system that needs to be changed 
unchallenged. Let me tell you, for me, this is, I don't know whether this is what, this bill is what people in the legal fraternity call a paper tiger bill. Uh-huh. It looks very scary on paper, but uh, it's in actual sense very ineffective. Even if they pass this law, Tony, I can tell you, it will not work. If there is no implementation, mm-hmm. you know, because one of the ministers actually was saying, we are going to reinforce, um, what, what, what were his words? We are going to reinforce the law enforcers or something like that to implement this law. And my question was, why weren't, why, why weren't you reinforcing them to implement, implement the existing law? Right. You know? What is so special about this law that yeah. you want to facilitate yeah. pour all your resources and time and energy into making... This is not your big, Uganda's biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes, I, I, and I don't want Ugandans to misquote me. It is a problem when children are being groomed. I hate it. It's, the stories are very painful. Mm-hmm. And I think where possible, and some people are already in the courts of law, there's some people that have been identified. Of course, it is not this law. They will okay. use the penal code to, you know, litigate their the cases. Right. So I'm not saying that, no, 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 let them, whatever. But I'm saying work with the existing framework, legal framework, and enforce that. Mm-hmm. The, legal, the existing framework is not uh, picking on people, to, you know, because of the way they identify. It's general. It's gender neutral. But when you come up with a law specifically, you know, saying these people, these people, it looks like a witch hunt and it doesn't look good, you know. So today it is the homosexuals. What will it be tomorrow? This law can actually be used to hunt down political opponents. Right. Do you know that? Yeah, I mean, the, but, but okay, well, let's talk about that because there's a point where I had the president saying we know that people that, are, you know, speculations have, or rumors have said hmm. about them, but uh, we're not just, you know, gunning after them. Because for me, it has been interesting to observe this, to see what is happening in parliament and the tone also of the president. But the tone of the president also seems to be... I don't know if you've captured him accurately. Right now, I think after it was debated in Parliament, his tone sort of changed in a way that he's not as militant as he was he's before it went into it. Parliament. <laughs> but now the tone changed in a way that he tries to sort of bring logic and to explain the whole thing that mm. people can have pork, but they don't have to go and tell everybody that I had pork. It's your own business, right? Yeah. His tone kind of changed, and I found it very fascinating. Um, what would you make in terms of uh, uh, Minister Sarah Opendi. Because mm. when she now, it seems as if, okay, to put people in prison is not enough. Okay, let people be killed. Or, okay, in case they're not killed. And then she articulates that, yeah, but still people, if they're put in prison, they might practice or their homosexuality in prison because now what's the worst thing that you can do to them? They're already in prison already, right? But then she says, rather they be castrated. And there was a certain level of love in parliament, but you can hear the kind of love from the people where it feels like for some people, this is somewhat like a joking kind of a thing. But what are the chances really? Of castration. (laughs) No, no, no. What are the chances of finding the very same members of parliament, especially the men? Because I listened to the way they were laughing at her statement. And I was like, 
it, there's a certain way that some of them, when they were laughing, they were like, she's being ridiculous. But okay, if you're really against it, then why that kind of a laugh of ridiculous? What are the chances that some of the people might have even voted for this particular policies, but they know that they're after nines or they're on the down low or they find themselves with their pens on their knees or whatever with boys and mm. they might have to be castrated and in this case, as Sarah's <laughs> suggesting. Uh, parliament is a, a, a circus sometimes. <laughs> It is a circus sometimes, but uh, I don't think castration is a is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you castrate the men, what are you going to do to the lesbians? Good question. Yeah, you know. So I th- that castration uh, thing actually is not new. There is a time they were trying to amend the laws to um, to propose further punishment for defilement. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the ministers and member of parliament then, Honorable Dr. Miriam Matembe said those men should be castrated. Right. You know, that be the men that defile young children. So I think she was talking in the same vein that they should castrate them. I don't think that's going to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but talking about uh, the prisons, I think why she was saying that is that there is um, information coming out of the prison system that there is a lot of homosexuality, you know, or that is happening in the prisons. Okay. I don't even think Uganda, Uganda's prisoners um, or the prison system allows for conjugal rights. So what do you expect people to do, you know? And uh, this is not to say it is okay, but I think that's where her concern comes from. They've heard that it's happening in the prisons as well because they mentioned it. That's why I think she's being very extreme in, uh, in her suggestions. Right, yeah. right. But there's something else that I would love to hear you sort of now bring in more of your um, social work head, right? Mm, mm. Because I'm, think, I'm thinking to say let's, let's, you know, initiate the entire homosexuality bill. It has other certain implications that I wonder whether the women who are sitting in parliament... Um, and I'm, I'm, I don't know whether, let, let me just exploit women for now, if you can allow me for that. No, please, don't uh, please allow me. Please allow me that space, because there's, there's something I want to dr- drive home. Maybe I can twist it even for the context of men. Mm. The reason why I want to exploit women is because I'm thinking about the women who are pushing this law in parliament. Then turns out your daughter gets married to a man who's in the closet. Mm. And then your man, and then your daughter has to deal with crying each and every day because I'm with this man who really doesn't love me. But this man is here because the man is forced by the law. So this might sort of appear into a certain undertone of an arranged thing or similar to an arranged marriage where one ends up with somebody who really, you know, is not attracted to, so to say. But I mean, all these things, heartbreaks that might happen in some of these young girls' lives because my husband is actually in the closet and my husband doesn't really love me or my dad, my husband doesn't even touch me. Because I mean, or unless we're very close to another bill that says, women, if your, wife, your husband doesn't touch you for two days, come and report. We're going to come and force him <laughs> with cameras and see that he's doing it. You know, perhaps we're going to get there. Yeah. But what are the implications in a sense that really some people who might not necessarily be in the same sex, but they are on the outside themselves, you might find themselves hurt because of this kind of a bill in this context that I'm sort of playing. You don't even need it. You need to imagine it. It's already happening. Mm-hmm. It has happened even without this bill. And and for for it's it's because of the societal expectations of a man. Yeah. Um, a Ugandan man is expected to marry. 
Right. And when I say marry, I mean marry a woman. Yeah. A biological woman. Yeah, it's <laughs> gendered. Know? Yeah. Okay. So, when you reach a certain age, when you reach a certain age Tony, as a man, there'll be questions not only from your family, but from your colleagues, from society generally. Tony, when are you getting when are you marrying? Yeah. Tony, when are you taking us, you know, to eat food, meaning, you know, for the yeah. traditional functions? So it's already happening. It is not a far-fetched imagination that you're thinking about. So the implication is is immense. There are women that have suffered in their marriages because of that kind of thing. But, so the bill basically is keeping that kind of pain. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's, it's further entrenching so it right. because without the law, it has been happening. Some women have been bold enough to leave. Others cannot because again of societal expectations expectations and so they continue to suffer so this bill is further affirming that ma- to that man that you can't be this you have no option keep in line yeah so i feel for the women i, f- I feel for the other individuals and it, because it's not only men that um, um uh, engage in same-sex relations, even mm. the women. I feel for every the other person that comes into this kind of arrangement innocently, thinking I have found, you know, a, a, a companion, a life companion, only to get into the real thing, and it's it's something different. And it speaks also about ethics. It's how, traumatic. How, how ethical would mm. you be as a country to have a situation where people are not even open enough about who they are and what they want to be? To one another, either be it the husband to the wife or the other way around. I don't know. Are we still in that place where whatever culture says, Ugandan culture, <laughs> not just any culture, says that this is the standard, it will be the standard. There is rebellion. There is rebellion. We have uh, people from the LGBTIQ community in Uganda that are very open. Mm-hmm. about their status. Mm-hmm. Have they been persecuted? Yes, they have been persecuted, unfortunately, by state authorities and people. Uh, but they're not ashamed to come out and say, I am who I am. Right. Yeah, and uh, some of them uh, have had understanding families. Others, the families are resigned to the fact that, yeah, this person is this. Yeah. It will take time. Right. Yeah. Maybe as a last or second last question, Mm. many African countries have been quiet about this. African Union, uh, I haven't seen any statement from them in this particular moment. What what do you think is the reason for that? And should they be quiet in a version of let every man mind his own business, as Mugabe said? Tony Blair, keep your own Britain, I'll keep my Zimbabwe. Two things. Uh They're probably cheering Uganda on. But silently, because they have similar cultural values. Uh-huh. And then the other reason is, of course, financial uh, in terms of uh, um, donor money. Aid, yeah. I would encourage them to, I, I wouldn't say keep, mind your own business, but um, not get too involved for their own good. Let them do them. But <laughs> what does countries. that do in the spirit of human yeah. rights? Because if they come out, they are going to. To to uh, take the position of what their culture say. We know most African countries, mm-hmm. most African countries, are anti LGBTIQ. So when they come out, what do you expect them to say, Tony? To speak up. 
about we, what me and you are speaking about <laughs> to say that the, the for me the the bill is ridiculous some, some of those countries the bill is ridiculous and it needs rethinking in terms of how do you con your actual argument are you against genuine people or you're against the grooming so to say actually some 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 of those african countries have gone ahead of us ahead of Uganda in terms of legislation, the countries that have Sharia law in place, because according to Sharia law, acts of homosexuality are punishable by death. So they're already ahead. For them, they have it as law. No one has ever raised I, I don't think they're ahead. They've been stuck there in the Bundus, <laughs> in the old mentality. There's no ahead of nothing here. <laughs> I think they are ahead because, because it is they're not law for us. It's not yet entire. law because the president has ass- hasn't assented, you know, hasn't signed the bill into law. So in your conclusion, he's not going to sign it? I don't think he will. But even if he does, we shall have a repeat of what happened in 2014. Someone will go to the court of law, probably backed by him, who knows, okay. and they will find something. <laughs> they will find a loophole somewhere in the bill for the court to not Are you ready for law. me and you to come and have a conversation when he signed it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> 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 let me let not the day after he signs it <laughs> okay. you know like Ugandan politics is uh, comedy gold it's pure theater okay. give it like a few weeks a few months let's see the reaction and where it's going because I can assure you he's because the people who are pro LGBTIQ the human rights activity, uh, activists have said we're just waiting for him to sign we've already assembled our legal ah, team right. that moment he signs like this we're going to the court mm-hmm. okay so I look forward hosting you again in the near future. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. But my parting shot is yeah. that um, this is really sensitive and divisive. Divisive yeah. yeah, as you have seen. Let's have a respectful conversation mm-hmm. from both sides. I insist that if without an equal dialogue, where power is equally shared, and people are having a genuine. Um, discussions, listening to each other, understanding the viewpoints. You know, without that, we're not going to go anywhere. Mm. We're all going to be hurt. Oh, one side will be hurt more, you know, but it's, it's not going to help us as a community. So let's talk. Right. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank and you thank you for your insights. All right. It's You're been welcome. great being with uh, Dr. Penny Kansimi, always very vibrant, very vocal, standing strong in her views. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And as you are, you sort of form more constructive criticisms and arguments. Don't just argue from a space of nothing. We, we're really tired engaging that, really. And don't also use violence as a way of anti-engagement, so to say. That's not going to take us anywhere. Dr. Penny is advocating for genuine conversation, a fair conversation where nobody holds up space from another. So thanks for tuning in and go ye and be best human beings. Be the best version of yourselves. We'll catch you next time. We out. <laughs>